and welcome to the podcast of Dom's House, because what the world needs most right now is a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. I'm Esther. I'm Karen. And I'm Eva. And this week we are talking about Babysitter's Club number eight, Boy Crazy Stacy. Mm-hmm. And what a cringe fest it was. <laughs> I have more notes for this one than I have for any book to date. Was that because you could distract yourself from how cringy and embarrassing it was by analysing it? I think I, yeah, I think that was what I was doing. Uh, <laughs> I was, I was just like, every time I got to another moment, I was like, oh, for a lot of these are just, oh, <laughs> I, my first note is this book should really have been called Jesus Christ, Stacy, get a grip. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, a lot of my notes are just theme. yikes. And one of my notes is just the grimace emoji. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah so there's just I mean I would say that that could be us being judgy uh, you know as as people who are 20 plus years older than Stacey is in this but no because I felt the exact same way about it when I was a kid I had forgotten an mm-hmm. awful lot of this because I could not bring myself to reread it very often as a child yes me too and I knew um, I knew sooner or later we were going to get to one of the books that had the trip away with the pikes and I'd forgotten it was this one and I was like oh yeah that was really fun why didn't I read that one more often <laughs> um and like a lot of my favorites are this in this early set like the one to ten but not this one <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right should we run through the plot very quickly Let's and go. then yes get into how uncomfortable we all were yes yeah. the entire time we were reading this all right so um this was actually it, it's set up actually at the end of the previous book uh mm-hmm. which is that the pikes are going on vacation to the jersey shore and because they have eight billion children they need or two eight. babysitters to come with them or <laughs> eight. Oh my god it's, it's so many children it's, it's that's so many it's so many it's, it's, it's so many it's, it's so many i was tired just reading about them all um so they the only ones who are available are stacy and marianne so they get to slash have to come along on this beach holiday and look after these eight children while mm-hmm. the parents like sleep for the first time in presumably 10 years no no um, we know they sleep because their policy on bedtime is be in your rooms <laughs> don't we be don't care us. what happens once you're in there which, <laughs> which is yeah, pretty sensible that's a point and they go to the shitty colonial town that all oh, yes. take going to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i think um the pikes the pike parents seem to spend a lot of time basically congratulating themselves for the notion of bringing along two babysitters who it's not specified whether they're just getting a free holiday or whether they're actually getting paid no, I think this would be a pretty lucrative gig if they were getting paid i think there's some kind of mention that they're getting paid but okay i mean also my main thought on that is do you mean to say that pikes have waited until their youngest is four out of nappies Mm. before bringing any help with them on these vacations. Well, there wasn't a babysitter's club in years gone That's by. That's true, actually. And the babysitter's club have been volunteering to do mass childcare quite a bit recently, so I could see why they might have... They're all about the illegal daycares yeah. these days. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, all right, my parents had two children, two. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh God, no, I don't want to go on holiday. Because yeah. it's going to be just more yep. work than being at home. And like, yeah, so the pikes keep on, basically the pikes get up, uh, parents get up in the morning and make breakfast for all the kids. And thereafter, we do not see them again. Um, yeah. Which I think is like, you know what? I, I respect that. They are, they have like brought along these two <laughs> babysitters and they're going to 
fuck off and do what they want. Yeah. And they seem really happy about this decision. <laughs> yes. I yeah, like in my head they are having this montage of like living their best lives mm-hmm. and like I don't know, watching Wheel of Fortune like Mimi. <laughs> they're just doing all the things you can't do when you have a billion children. So yeah, part of the the story is that Stacy and Marianne haven't spent a lot of time together up to now. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they don't have a ton in common. So Stacey's kind of nervous about this. And it, it goes badly in that regard <laughs> because Stacey is insufferable. Because um, when they get to the beach, it turns out there are lifeguards. And it turns out that the lifeguards are hot teenage guys in swimming trunks. And that's Stacey's whole week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she is instantly in love, L-U-V, not the other kind, oh, um, yes. with this guy called Scott who, like, to be very clear, he's not a creep, but he is a dirtbag. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he, he is sort of low-key flirting with Stacy and a random gaggle of other very young teenage girls on the beach. So that they'll do him favours. Yes, mainly so that they will go get him, like, cold drinks, and Stacy goes back to the beach house to make sandwiches for him a few times and stuff. Yeah, um, so I think this must be approximately Baywatch era, I'm assuming, yes. because, um, so usually we take the piss out of the, um, the UK covers because they are, like, indescribable, uh, <laughs> although we t- spend a lot of time describing them, um, but the US cover, um, for this one is pretty hilarious because it's clearly like, can we get David Hasselhoff but a teenager? Okay, yeah, let's let's yeah. go for that kind of a vibe. I'm googling this as we speak. Oh yeah, no, please please do. It's but yeah, no, it's very much. Oh, his shirt is like three quarters open, but it is a shirt, and he's real muscular. And Stacy genuinely looks like a twelve year old with a crush on someone six years older than her. It's brilliant. <laughs> oh my god, yes, he's an eighties hunk. He is. <laughs> Such an 80s hunk. The only thing he doesn't have is that, uh, in this specifically set, I had to Google it because it gave a brand name, mm-hmm. of that, that, that coloured sunscreen on the nose and lips. Of the zinc. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. Apparently, it was really cool. It was made really cool around this time by lifeguards because lifeguards are all underpaid <laughs> teenagers. And it just... Oh, so that's why Billy is a lifeguard on Stranger Things. Uh, you know when, when oh. Billy gets the summer job as a lifeguard and all the moms are perving on him? Uh, <laughs> right. And he's perving on the moms as well. I mean, well, yes, you know, absolutely. There's a lot of mutual perving. But like, okay, so, so lifeguard is the 80s hot teen guy job. Basically. Yeah, yeah, or, or, it's just, I mean, I, I never really got what Baywatch was about because I lived near beaches for a lot of my life. A lot of them had lifeguards <laughs> on and they're just underpaid teenagers. Like, that's who lifeguards you mean they didn't all look like David Hasselhoff and Pamela Anderson? And they probably me? wore more clothes on Irish beaches well, unless they actually had to go in the water, I assume. Yeah, there were so. a lot of jackets. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, this is that that whole thing is sort of of its time. Um. But yes, but Stacey yeah, becomes completely obsessed with this guy. Um, and Marianne is very pointedly babysitting all eight babies by herself yeah with some help from Mallory um but yes yes, so she's she's minding um Mallory who's what 11 yeah Adam Byron and Jordan who are the next step down then Nikki oh no then uh Vanessa yeah who is um, going started doing her poetry phase which makes me happy because this is such a recurring trope um Nikki uh who's the next eight um 
and then Margo, I think you have, a, you have a couple of years before you get to Margot and Claire, who are the two youngest. Like yes. five and types, seven or so. four and six. Yeah. Something like and they're that. mostly I think they're five and seven. Yeah. They mostly sound like a bunch of pretty decent kids. Um they, like they're they are. they're not wrecking the gaff. Except the boys actually sound kind of exhausting a lot of the time in this one. <laughs> um, I w- I was ready yes. to be done with the Pike boys by the end of this book. <laughs> Yeah. As we're, well, Marianne, I'm sure, uh, and probably also Stacey, but. <laughs> so, yeah, Stacey abdicates her responsibility oh, towards um, babysitting and also, you know, her co babysitter almost immediately. Yeah. I think basically on the first morning after she discovers that Scott is there, um, she's just like, oh, I have more important things to be doing on the beach. And her, her inner monologue where she's narrating the book is so obnoxious. Yeah. <laughs> it's just super like, obnoxious. Like, yeah. Ah, I've highlighted so many bits. <laughs> I think my favorite is when she's like, it's not my fault that like Nikki Pike went missing for 10 minutes. And it turned out he'd just gone back to the house. But Marianne totally freaked out. But I mean, she's just going to have to get used to this kind of thing. <laughs> and um, yeah, it, there was one point where Marianne is grumpy at her for, you know, reasons that are just, super obvious um and stacy said it's okay though i forgave her because she got sunburnt and like yeah so apart from anything else marianne is more or less the sole caregiver um and she also had this horrendous sunburn from like the first or second day and is dealing with that while also trying to mind eight children and like clearly stacy is goofing off within sight and not paying attention to the kids um and like yeah Marianne is, they, they eventually make it up at the end of the book, but I feel like Marianne is a bit of a saint. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I do wonder if this is, it does leave a bit of a lingering thing in their friendship going forward. Because <laughs> we're getting this from Stacey's point of view. And by the end of it, she's like, yeah, yeah, no, we're all totally cool. I'm wondering if Marianne <laughs> has maybe just made a quiet note in her own. If it like, happened to me when I was 12, I would have made back up with Stacey, mm-hmm. sure. And we would have kind of moved on. But on the other hand, I would have bitched about her behind her back to everyone who knew her for the rest of my natural life about how she had, <laughs> how she had abandoned me on that holiday. <laughs> yes, yeah. that's entirely. I would yeah. be sitting here now because I'm still friends with some people I was friends with when I was that age and i would be still here now going oh my god i will yeah, never forget that, that summer when yes. you did yeah i will no yeah i would yeah 100 you've been given the eulogy 70 years on you'd be like yeah but there was this one time guys <laughs> you know? oh my god i'm just picturing marianne giving the saltiest eulogy age 95 <laughs> Marianne knows where all the bodies are buried. I mean, these books go on for a long time, so who knows? <laughs> also, actually, there's some nice foreshadowing of Marianne being the first girl to get a steady boyfriend. Yeah. Because while Stacey is like ogling these wildly unsuitable adult men, <laughs> Marianne has like effortlessly charmed a boy babysitter who's at the beach with another family. Mm-hmm. Um, who Stacy is like, oh yeah, he kept helping her and like he's such a nerd and he's always hanging around her and he's clearly completely besotted with Marianne, but Stacy is too <laughs> self-centered to notice this. <laughs> but like yeah. yeah, Marianne clearly has like impressive levels of game for a total nerd. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, actually I like, I think I did wonder how she did it. Um it was never made quite clear in the in the books um and like yeah she she has a boyfriend at this age which seemed like a bit of a foreign concept anyway yeah. to be honest yes. um 
yeah, she she just sort of is nice and is herself and did all those things that people say, oh, just be yourself. Like, but she she does that and it sort of <laughs> works. Whereas I think, to be honest, most of the boys I knew at that age were still at the making towers of food in the cafeteria. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Think, there wasn't a whole lot of romance going around. I don't think it was just me. It was probably me as well. But like, Yeah, there wasn't a lot of like dating. It's actually something that I... I'm not sure if it's something that's like a hangover from Anna Martin with her 60s perspective. Actually, if you read the author's note at the back of this book, she based this on the fact that she and a friend used to go on holidays to these towns in the two families to go on holidays to towns and they are in New Jersey and they all used to hang yeah. around at the lifeguard station swooning <laughs> about the lifeguards. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's adorable. Yeah. I get the impression. And again, I get this from media because it, cause, so it could be media lying to me. And I've always had the impression mm-hmm. that dating was way more of a thing in mm-hmm. the 60s. Uh, 50s and 60s teenagers would date. Mm-hmm. Whereas by the time we were starting to be of an age, I say starting to be of an age because I did mm-hmm. not kiss anyone till I was 19, ladies and gentlemen, mm-hmm. <laughs> at 19. But by the time our peers who were, um, you know, more socially adept than I, uh, were getting to that, it, you didn't date, you just put your tongues in each other's mouths at parties sometimes. I don't know if Irish people ever dated though. Mm. Yeah, it could be a cultural thing. Maybe American 12 year olds date, I don't know, Irish 12 year olds just say will you meet my friend and then yeah <laughs> they kiss i think sometimes you also get this thing where um it definitely so one of the primary schools that was a feeder for our secondary school um i know a lot of my friends who went there were like oh yeah we went out at that point and one of my friends described as yes she was my girlfriend back when like being boyfriend and girlfriend was exactly the same as not so it was it was a, a purely um it was purely on paper there was no association of any kind involved just like oh yeah she's my girlfriend or something i don't know we agreed yeah. to this a week ago <laughs> like, i haven't seen her since then um also Yikes. i went to the gale talked and one place i went to the gale talked one of the rules i can't remember it in irish it was real akuig rule five and in the English, if it was company keeping of a serious nature is not permitted. <laughs> wow. Oh, that is precious. And after the nightly Kaylee, right, the teachers walk around the back of the hall. We had the Kayleys in to break up the couples. <laughs> oh, my God. You, OK, so a Kaylee is um is a... You should okay, so explain what a the Gale Talked <laughs> is the Irish language speaking part of Ireland. When I say go to the Gale Talked or people who aren't from there say go to the Gale Talked, they mean attend a three-week summer school in that area where you live with an Irish speaking hmm. family, but you live with like in bunks with like six or seven other 15-year-olds <laughs> so that you don't really actually hang out with family at all. Theoretically um, speaking Irish. <laughs> and you go to, I was actually speaking Irish, I'll have you know. Oh, fair play to you. And you go to like, you do Irish classes in the mornings and enforced sports in the afternoons. And then every evening. <laughs> Nowadays they make viral videos instead. They do. Like, I think amazing. that's one Gale Talk that does that. One's one Kalashta that does that. Kalashta and Lurgan, yeah. It is Kalashta Lurgan. Um, there was none of that in my day. But uh, the. No. Well, no, we didn't have. You didn't have the technology. Um, And then. You go to every night, there's a social event. And other than like, I think you get a couple of special ones. Like they always have a dressing up one, which is, you have a Kaylee every night, which is basically mm-hmm. you do all of these traditional Irish dances. Um, And then I think one of the nights you have a disco or you go to a local 
disco nightclub room in a pub <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, one of the nights you have a Kayleigh Glaista where you're dressed up in whatever costumes you can find from whatever you find in your um, house that you're <laughs> staying in because you don't have anything to make a costume with and you usually have a quiz but yeah you're Kayleigh every single night you are doing Irish dancing together now this is not sexy dancing uh, <laughs> no not, not even remotely. this is the type of dancing where you famously hold your spine ramrod straight and have your heart, hands down by your sides and facial expressions are discouraged yeah. <laughs> i mean actually in this one like you hold hands sometimes because it's set dancing you know as you step in and step out and yeah but it's it's not sexy dancing it's a bit like the dancing they do in like jane austen movies only sped up 400 percent, and a bit more stumpy <laughs> yeah yeah it's if you're if you've ever done if you're american and you do contra dancing it's a bit like that there's a scene in an episode of father ted where um a bunch of priests are staying in a mobile home and they're doing river dance um <laughs> and apart from the confined space nature of it it's kind of a bit like that it's just bigger <laughs> and more chaotic and loads of young younger teenagers um i suppose kaylee's can involve adults as well possibly even people with talent for dancing but it didn't not not the ones i was at my parents actually got together at a at a kaylee dancing oh class my God, amazing. that's amazing <laughs> my dad did kaylee dancing as a teenager because there were loads of girls there mm. which See, that's clever smart move yeah. um my only other kaylee thing is other than at the girl talked as a teenager. The only other Kayleys I've been to were at LARP events, where the most notable thing is one dude didn't take his chainmail off, and it was a really enthusiastic dance. And a friend of mine got her nose broken. <laughs> so um, you know that could happen at a regular Kaylee, though. It absolutely yeah. could. It's very energetic. <laughs> very energetic. Anyway, so uh, yeah, so Kaylee every night, but obviously teenagers, the fact that these dances are the least sexy thing on the planet does not stop the hormones. <laughs> and the teachers would, you know, when we had a break between dances or whatever, the teachers would have to go around the back of the school and real a cooing, real a cooing, <laughs> and chase everyone back inside. <laughs> Tell me this, though, were you allowed company keep in a frivolous manner? I mean, yeah. I don't think there was going to be any long-term romance happening. In a fun, no. serious nature, like and no strings attached. The is exactly. I feel like there's some loopholes in that phrasing. <laughs> well, you try articulating them in Irish at the age of fourteen. <laughs> I probably could have done it at the age of 14. I couldn't do it now. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, the teachers seemed to think it was ridiculous. And mostly they just needed to get everyone inside so they knew where everyone was. Um, and like, I don't ever recall anyone actually getting into trouble for getting a shift. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I feel like the teachers know what they're signing up for. Yeah. Anyway, Stacey fails to get the shift spectacularly. Yes. Um, <laughs> and it's just as well. Because, yes, Scott is 18, as it's mm. established, um, and is, is just um, stringing her along, as I believe they call it, yes. in the 60s. <laughs> yes, for, to get sandwiches. Yeah. He's using her for sandwiches, Scott's basically. dickhead. <laughs> He's an absolute dirtbag. Uh, so, um, it, it, it doesn't go well, and eventually, so she embarrasses herself thoroughly by um, uh, being about to present him with an expensive gift that she's just bought. Which is like a heart-shaped satin box of chocolates. That's it's the it. cheesiest thing. It's deeply cheesy. And I I cannot imagine... Like, yeah, I was a bit of a self-conscious teen, but like presenting somebody that I am married to now, I think I'd still cringe a bit like, <laughs> <laughs> with with that. But some guy who like... So she, she 
after you know a week or so of hanging around the lifeguard stand she has convinced herself that they are in love lub as you point out but they haven't really exchanged any talk at all um and so yeah she she walks up to him with this box of chocolates and then his girlfriend shows up and starts making out with him yeah uh, and it's just and her heart is broken and um she abandons the chocolates and uh is very sad at marianne who it comforts her in an extremely magnanimous manner <laughs> well no doubt filing things away for future <laughs> yeah although Mar- marianne does also write home mm-hmm. that stacy's still being a pain while she's recovering <laughs> from her broken heart <laughs> and and marianne is completely correct yes she has the decency not to say it to her face <laughs> yeah i mean i think marianne is doing what all of us would do which is be like mm. okay i get why this is happening I am not going to start a big we're never talking again massive fight about it mm-hmm. now that she's come around but also I reserve the right to complain about it to everyone else forever. <laughs> oh my god. It just occurred to me what if what if Christy had gone instead of Marianne she would have buried Stacy in a shallow grave. Oh my god. <laughs> like like it, Marianne St- Stacy's not available anymore. Can you come down and help me out? Yes. <laughs> also we will never speak of Stacy again. Yeah, no Stacy doesn't exist. Christy would have gone right up to that lifeguard station and been like, yeah, my friend has a crush on you. Do you like her back? No? Okay, great. Now we can babysit Stacey. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it's for the best that Christy was back in Connecticut <laughs> yeah. letting some kids vandalize a car. There would have been a hilarious incident, though, in which she tells Scott to feck off and stop distracting her babysitter. Oh, yeah. Like, yes. Oh, yeah. That would have been sweet. <laughs> she would have, like, yeah, bugged her, like, what, you need to be doing your own job. She's not here to get you sodas and sandwiches. Stop yeah. telling my friend. We have responsibilities. We're <laughs> babysitters. <laughs> and you're meant to be a lifeguard. You're meant to have your own responsibilities. How can I trust that you're going to keep these kids safe if you're, yeah, she would yeah. go off on him. Meanwhile, like, four kids have got swept out to sea with nobody noticing <laughs> because Christy is busy. <laughs> distracting the lifeguard stand oh um, so anyway yes it's just as well that this didn't happen um and that the much more forbearing marianne <laughs> was was present but yeah so just um b- before we move on um it, it is worth pointing out that we don't get very much christy in this book but we do get some she's back home yeah. but at the very start of the book they all apparently mutually agree that they are going to um update the rest of the babysitters club by sending home postcards, multiple daily postcards. <laughs> Hang on a minute. The the phrase mutually agree is doing a lot of heavy lifting in that sentence. I know, right? Because the way that it's described is a bit ambiguous, but it does sound like they've all sound, signed up to this. But I think Christy basically tells them, write me several postcards a day so that I can keep tabs on you. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I have it. It's open in front of me. I have it highlighted. Oh. So Sorry, first off, Marianne, who is like, let's face it, a 70-year-old woman at heart, says, <laughs> I've got an idea. Let's exchange our vacation addresses. Then we can all write postcards to each other. And I'm sitting here going, oh, my God, I remember the days when you would actually. First time yeah. I went to the Gale Talk, my friends wrote me letters. Oh, yeah. there you go. <laughs> um, and I wrote them back because I didn't have anything else to do. Anyway, I've got an even better idea, Christy said. Stacy and Marianne, why don't you write me a postcard every day describing your job with the Pikes? Later, we'll enter them in the notebook. That way, we'll keep it up to date and official. And then they were like, I can't argue with Christy. Okay. Yeah. Christy gave them vacation homework, basically. (laughs) But, um, there's a, there's a delightful, um, contrast between the, um, the, the postcards that Stacey is writing to Christy and the ones that she's writing to Marianne. Um, there is to Claudia. Yeah. Oh, sorry, to Claudia. Claudia. And of course, yes. Marianne is staying in a room with her. Um, so she, 
Um, the ones to Christy get shorter and shorter. <laughs> um, until they're basically just a series of initials. The one where the Byron's still scared of H2O. Yes. He's still scared H2O. That one, like, made me laugh so much. I yeah. know. H, like, I, I'm too busy to write the word water. <laughs> and I'm sure, to be honest, Christy probably appreciated her, her sort of That's efficient. True. Brevity. <laughs> Whereas she's also going to, to Claudia in on the other postcard. Oh my God, Claude, it's been so dramatic. It's been terrible. I have to tell you all about it. <laughs> like, I'm glad you didn't try running this past Christy. At some point, no matter how deep in the tank you are, you knew that Christy did not want to hear about this <laughs> and would give you exactly the response that you deserve. So you're going to tell Claudia instead, who's probably in Vermont going, what? <laughs> when she gets eight postcards at once. I hope she yeah. put the dates on them as well. <laughs> her her postcards are kind of, they're very semi-coherent because she's so, like, overwrought. Um, <laughs> I'm just digging them up here. Like, they're, they're, she's so in her own head at this point. Dear Claudia, I know I'm supposed to be babysitting, but Scott was on duty today and he's all I can think of. He gave me the most fabulous present, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'll show you when we're back in Stony Brook. Say hi to <laughs> Mimi. Love Stace. P.S. Marianne thinks the gift is dumb. She doesn't understand. <laughs> so she has essentially written Claudia a postcard that tells her nothing. <laughs> uh, the bit about Marianne is probably the most factual element <laughs> of it. <laughs> Yes, the present for the record is his whistle, which he gives her to keep her on the line, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very underwhelming. Very much so. I, I wondered all through it, why was she not sending Claudia letters? Rather than postcards. Yeah. Because she doesn't have time? Because she's a busy woman. <laughs> With all the, like, mooning that she's yeah, doing. Yeah, I guess. I guess, but like, that's the sort of thing that's like even better to get down in the letter because it's so dramatic and you, mm. you want to devote a lot of page space to it, you know? <laughs> There's a hell of a word count in teenage crushes. That's true. I think she just, yeah, she keeps running out of space on her postcards. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the most awful humiliating thing in the world has happened. I can't believe it. I feel like such a jerk. Marianne tried to warn me about Scott, but I wouldn't listen. She told me he was older. She told me this. She told me that. And I wouldn't listen. Oh, I am such a jerk. I guess I've run out of room. I'll tell you the rest in the next postcard. Love, Stace. I had to write three more <laughs> postcards in order to tell Claudia the whole story. <laughs> is that is that a quote? Oh, my God. Yeah, that's, that's the one that ends with, oh, no, that's a different one. Uh, so now Marianne has been sending Dawn postcards which we do yes. see one which is dear dawn <laughs> stacy is still being a pain but i feel bad for her because she saw scott kissing another girl a much older one and she started to cry see marianne knows how to actually give information yes <laughs> in a postcard how is california i miss you see this is how you do it reciprocal i'm thinking of getting another bikini at this store here called if the suit fits stacy got another one love marianne p.s stacy's been dyeing her hair p.p.s destroy this card in california <laughs> I love it. And I don't know if it's because she's bitching about Stacey or because she wrote down that Stacey was dyeing her hair. But, you know, either way. Scandal. I took it to be the hair thing. Stacey has secretly brought a bottle of sun into the beach with her and her hair is two whole shades lighter by the time she gets home. And she's like, if my parents find out, I'll be dead. Uh, so she's gone from blonde to slightly more blonde. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I love the implication that this postcard cannot leave California. <laughs> If it yeah. crosses the state lines, who knows what might happen. Stacy's mother will just know. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you did, Stacey. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, I was wondering, do you guys think that Stacy is meant to be like relatably going through teen drama or are we meant to know from the off that um she is an unreliable narrator in this one? <laughs> I think that's a good question. Meant to be written such that a twelve-year-old can both sort of find it understandable, but also recognize the unreliability. Mm. Because I think the lesson. No, okay, right. So the lesson I took from it, you know, the way sometimes as an adult you read something and you're like, "Oh crap! Oh crap! That was that was really really formative," and I hadn't realized. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my god, is this the origin of you thinking that crushes make people stupid? Yes! Like, having a crush on someone just turns you into a moron who will humiliate themselves, and therefore, if you have a crush on someone, you should never, ever, ever act like you do in any way, shape, or form, because that way ends humiliation. And lies humiliation. And I mean... And the thing is, I remember other girls, I wasn't, I was too young for my age to be into this, but I remember when I was in kind of sixth class in, in primary school, like kind of 12, 11, 12, other girls that I knew in school who would like pick some random 15, 16 year old and develop a crush on him. And it was a shared experience that all the girls had where they had a crush on this guy. It was not something that they ever expected to be reciprocated. You see, that's It was like an thing. unobtainable thing. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and they would go stand around wherever this, I remember there was someone who used to like clear the glasses at, at the local pub or something. Mm-hmm. And they would like stand around and giggle and stare at him a lot. And I'm sure he knew they all had a crush on him. And that was it. They They, they did not think that he was in love with them. Why would they have thought that? Even if he had been encouraging them, they wouldn't have thought that because they were, that Mm. wasn't what it was for. Yeah. But you didn't do the practice crush thing because you were like, no, that'll make me look like an Egypt. Is that what you're saying? Pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I think I was terrified of the notion that I would do that and that the guy Mm. would find out. So wound up embarrassing myself in wholly other ways. Oh, yeah. Why does that girl run away? (laughs) (laughs) She's really weird, I I presume. Or that also they did not ever think about me at all, which probably is a bit of a relief to both current (laughs) me and, like, me back in the day. I know, right? God, that's such a good question. Like, is is the reader supposed to realise that Stacey is full of shit? At this point. I think so. I think even the twelve-year-olds are supposed to realize that Stacey is full of shit. I it's... mean, we we all read this at quite a young age, and I think all of our responses seem to have been, "Oh God, <laughs> we didn't." I didn't like this book, and I'm not sure exactly why, but it made me uncomfortable. I, and I just want to read about ghosts at Dawn's house. Come on, let's get to that book, <laughs> yes. guys. I didn't like it, and the reason I didn't like it was because I just secondhand embarrassment from the mm. "Oh my God, Stacey, he doesn't like you back. Why are you making a fool of yourself like this?" Mm-hmm. Why would you ever think he would like you back? You're 12. He's 18. I don't think I pieced that together. I think I was, I was a bit, maybe a bit more naive and I was taking this more, I was more taking Stacey's word for, for her version of events. Um, mm. You're possibly younger. I was 11 when I read these. Yeah. I would have been maybe 10, I guess. And mm-hmm. I, I think I just sort of thought, this book wasn't my favorite because it's got a lot of teen romance stuff and I'm not interested in teen romance, mm. but I 
don't think I picked up on the fact that the teen romance is non-existent and is only in her head. Like <laughs> yeah. I was just like, oh, she really is in love with him. And she's like, yeah, this, I guess this is just what like teens do, which it is. But um, I, yeah, I don't think you were, so, I don't think I picked up, there, there's a level of ironic distance that I had not mastered yet. <laughs> I, think. Yeah. I think what we need to do is ask Anna and Martin. Yeah. Mm, we we <laughs> dear Anna Martin, we're <laughs> thirty something podcasters. Yes, can you please tell us what you were intending with this? I imagine she's being inundated with thirty something podcasters these days. Oh, almost <laughs> definitely, almost definitely. We could also ask my kid who read this book recently. Actually, I'm really yeah. curious to know what Sophia's take on this was because yeah. Sophia seems like she would have zero time whatsoever for Stacey's shenanigans. Now yeah. she she is. So she is nine and has not entered that whole phase. So she probably has much more clear-sighted kind of understanding of <laughs> yes. human behavior than she will in like five years time. But, um... Very possibly. We, we we had a very brief discussion about it that after she read the book. And I think mm-hmm. she basically thought that Stacey was ridiculous. But yeah, I, I would like to get a detailed analysis from her. Yes, we should definitely, we should definitely get her unbiased um, opinion on this. Definitely. <laughs> You, you're a live child. What is your opinion on this? <laughs> I will quiz her on this later. All right, so Stacey is an idiot, but I do find it actually very believable mm. for like that age. Like I definitely remember having ridiculous crushes and having friends who had ridiculous crushes and there just being a lot of like low level stalking involved. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> what crushes were. Yeah what you did puberty does things to your oh, yeah. your your head like i remember walking around the corridors of the school accompanying uh so my couple of friends of mine had a crush one of those shared crushes mm-hmm. i like the early years of secondary school obviously uh on a guy who was a year or two older than us which he was he had been in, in my primary school and i knew him a little um which their eyes like oh five times bigger like oh, you know him I'm like I don't, like go to his house or anything I, I've spoken <laughs> to him before uh but what we would You're do what, celebrity, they, Eva. <laughs> what they would like to do on break it was basically follow him around the corridors of the school oh boy so we mm. used to do laps okay our school was a the corridors were in a square and you had a one-way mm-hmm. system you could only go one direction because there was a thousand kids in a school that was built for 800 um mm, yep. just could not uh have it another way and doing laps was a thing and sometimes people would do laps between classes but that was deeply frowned upon because he didn't have time <laughs> um so but they would he would do laps sometimes a break and they would follow him around the one-way system of the school in their navy blue uniforms. Did they have to, like, <laughs> pretend to be reading a newspaper with eye holes cut out or something? I mean, I think if they had... Th- they they probably would have, but there was more, like, wall-to-wall navy adolescence, so you didn't need <laughs> to. They couldn't tell. There were a thousand kids in that school. Nobody recognised each other. It was fine. But, yeah, they would just, like, stalk him for break. Yeah. So, I mean, excruciating as this was to read... It also felt extremely true to being 13 and having just no sense. Um, I was kind of going, so uh, my my actual note here, um, 
again, these are so much longer and more like heartfelt notes than previous books, but it was, is this supposed to be a depiction of surprise hormones, TM? Because it's a weird way to behave from somebody who was previously committed enough to female solidarity that she wore Christie's sandwich board. I'm like, That's a good point. Because, yeah, previously Stacy has come across as fairly level-headed and very committed to being um, part of this group of friends and she really has yeah. thrown that to the winds in a just in a big yes. way. And I mean, may, you know, maybe that is the way teens I think do sometimes. Partly, but yeah, I think, I mean, I think it does. I think that's a thing that like, that, yeah, like you get a crush and then you screw over your friends. I think surprise hormones is it. Yeah. <laughs> um, or, surprise hormones. But I think it's also that it's not all of them. It's just Marianne who <laughs> Stacey probably doesn't have the highest opinion of among the group. No, she's made it quite clear that she doesn't. <laughs> Well, um, it's it's just as well that um, Marianne is going to is is going to clearly show her up in multiple ways. <laughs> but yeah, I I think we're supposed to come away from this going, oh, look, it's great that their relationship was cemented, but I I suspect that there are cracks. <laughs> oh yeah, yes. Um, I I I would love a retelling of this book from Marianne's point of view. Dear Anna Martin. <laughs> Yeah, why not? You know, if um, like Stephanie Meyer can go back and rewrite exactly. books from other people's. Come on, you wrote good books. This is crying out for it. Yeah, yes. yeah. So I think I, I, the nonsensical crush stuff aside, I felt a bit like like I know I didn't do that specific thing. This is one aspect of my teen years that I'm not embarrassed about. But I was going, oh God, was I ever this bad of a friend to people? And that was the bit that had me lying awake at night going like, mm, it's, it's a, it's a strong possibility here. I suppose, you know, leave a comment guys. And if you feel personally betrayed by me during the teen years. Everyone was at some stage. Like yeah. If you was. went to school with us and we were bitches to you, leave uh, a comment somewhere that we won't see it. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I don't really want to deal with this part of my psyche, to be honest. No, let's just leave that buried. That's yeah, thing. we have probably ever... all shafted someone on behalf of a crush, crush at some point. Yeah, that's, 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 a, it's all a learning curve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I suppose, yeah, so it, it is, it is kind of relatable. And maybe that's why it was so uncomfortable. Even reading it before that whole thing had happened at the age of like nine or whatever, you're like, oh, someday I'm going to be this much of a jerk. <laughs> I think it yeah. wouldn't have got such a strong reaction out of all three of us if it wasn't actually fairly on point. Like mm-hmm. there is an emotional truth to it. That is <laughs> why it's so uncomfortable to read. I mean, yeah. Yeah. We all just feel a bit called out by it. (laughs) (laughs) And and, I mean, that speaks to Anna Martin's skills as a writer, Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. Even if she's, she's maybe drawing on 60s material, but it's timeless. (laughs) Yeah. But, but harebrained tweens are forever. (laughs) She really does get the tween experience. Mm -hmm. She really does. Yeah. Well, that covers most of it up until the last sort of quarter of the book where Stacey sort of slightly cops onto herself. And um, then it, it transpires that Marianne has this whole time been hanging out with perfectly acceptable dudes of the appropriate age group. So one of whom is also a a mother's helper 
TM. Oh, can I just can I just put in a, a side note that mm-hmm. I love that Stacy pointed out that really they should be called parents helpers because they're also helping Mr. Pike. Yes. And that yeah. like the, the term is outdated even at the time this book was written. <laughs> yes. I just love that. But however, yes, is... they do refer to him as the boy mother's helper the boy throughout mother's the entire <laughs> book. Yes. Yeah, you know, he's he's helping the boy mother, i.e. the father. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry, I know that's not how you're meant to interpret that particular noun phrase. Um, I'm going to address my dad as boy mother from now on. <laughs> <laughs> I'll write a paper on yeah. it, Esther. <laughs> you're, the, you're the inappropriately clad linguist. <laughs> you, you do it. See if you can make boy mother <laughs> happen. I only do phonetics, leave me alone. <laughs> Where the fuck were we? <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. We were talking about Marianne hanging out with the appropriately aged boys. Oh yeah, just to before we move on to they that, actually I, have things in common with. Um no, yeah. So the 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 two lads, there's um Toby and Alex, Alex. Yeah. Alex. Who were um and le- <laughs> for the record I could not remember Scott's name at all. He he's just a he's just a mannequin. All eighties hot boys were called Scott. Yeah. Like it, it had to be either Scott or Brad. <laughs> Todd. Yes. Oh Todd, oh god. Craig. <laughs> um anyway, uh they yeah the two the two lads are like cousins or something and they they go out on a double date and um hang out with each other and uh, so Mary uh, Stacy's description of this whole thing has been ridiculously dramatic um one of the chapters ends with um Marianne and I had made up but Scott and I had come apart like <laughs> you were never together in any way like no. which is for legal reasons, a good thing. So chill, lady. Um, but, uh, so she's still talking about in the same way, um, much later on. So yeah, she, she uses the line, um, after she's decided she actually likes, is it Toby or Alex? Toby. So, um, she and Toby are, you know, having chemistry and it's all really nice. And, um, she says, I found my first real love, lost him and found another one instantaneously is the note that I added after this. <laughs> it's like, it's literally within a couple of days. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, so they, they went out on a date, um, they kissed and uh, they spent loads of time talking and she lists a hilarious list of um, features of Scott, or uh, not Scott, of Toby and his likes and dislikes, uh, which she has uh-huh. learned all about him in the his half hobby hour is they've computers. been in <laughs> Yes, I wrote that as well. Toby's I hobby is like, computers. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes, the hobby of computers. Where are you going? I'm going to do computers now. <laughs> I mean, it's not sexy when Janine does it. Like, <laughs> but this guy um, who has, uh, yeah, various other personality features. Um, but at least he has some other than being a lifeguard and a dick bag. I think that's the point. It's like he's an actual human being, apparently. So. <laughs> um, Yes, so, but they both wind up with these kind of sort of boyfriends, um, and it's a cute little holiday romance, which is totally, like, of the kind which you probably would like to have if you were 13. Um, yeah. Uh, yes. And then, even better, you could go home and forget about them. <laughs> yeah, they find, they all exchange addresses and then all mentally acknowledge that they're never going to see each other again anyway. I think that's oh, what yeah. holiday romances are like, isn't it? Like, Yes. You I know. think that's the idea. I've never had one. Once <laughs> no, me I was, no, me neither. My friends and I were about 15. We went camping. Uh, my parents brought me my friends camping and mm. um, we were sort of wandering around the campsite and a bunch of lads about our age who had just come off like they were in the banana boat or something. They were in mm. the, the, they had 
flippers on and wetsuits. And, <laughs> or wetsuits anyway, maybe I imagine the flippers. And we heard them say, oh, look, girls. <laughs> and they came towards us and started trying to talk to us. And we all panicked, froze, clammed up, answered them with monosyllables and like, fled <laughs> and like an hour later we're like oh 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 no oh i couldn't get oh oh well i don't know if any of them were good looking they were in wetsuits i i, I was panicking and i couldn't tell i don't know if they were wearing slippers or not but it enhances this anecdote yeah, a lot it's much funnier if they're yeah. wearing flippers oh. Any one of those guys could be listening to this podcast right now and going, oh, uh, they're not, but they could be. Well, <laughs> if you were at the Town Holiday Village in Carlingford in 1998. Oh my God. I went to the Town as well. The Town was great. The Town was amazing. <laughs> yeah, God. Such, yeah, that? good times. Yeah, lots of freezing banana boating. Um, I nearly and, yeah. died. Well, I didn't. Well, I felt like I nearly died because I fell off the banana boat, but the banana mm-hmm. boat itself was on top of my head and I was oh, in a life jacket, so I just kept ah! bobbing up against it and I couldn't get my head out of the water and the banana oh boat God. person had to save me. <laughs> good times. Good times, good times. I remember it fondly. Amazing. Yeah, I think that kind of like... <laughs> What felt like a near-death experience in, um, and like just the general sense of impending frostbite at any given time. It really yeah. enhances the whole. And the shore bonding. all the way down to the water was just razor sharp muscle shells the whole way. Razor sharp. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no, but it really was awesome when you're that crazy. age. And, there was yeah. a science museum and an, and an indoor play and a swimming pool with a cool slide. Just okay. So now, now that you talk about the ton and that kind of experience, I'm kind of feeling maybe just a slight bit more sympathetic towards Stacey because when you're you're away from home and you're with other teenagers and you're out of your normal routine, it you go a bit mad. It does seem, a, yeah, you're you know anything could happen. Um, but I mean, I'm not saying that, that I went off the deep end quite to the same extent that she does uh, at, at the ton, but. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think we've kind of covered most of the Yeah, it's pretty plot. much the book. Um, um, none of the pikes drown, they go home. There's lo- there's loads of, like, details that are oh, yeah, kind of I, I have but... I have a ton I want to talk about in this book. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm starting with the very, like, one of the first sentences in it. It's like this throwback to when we were talking about whether Stacy has any concept of, like, the property value in Stony Brook versus Oh, yes, actually, I, I noticed that as well. So, like, yeah, mom, I said, how do you think you're supposed to behave in a mansion? And I have that with a note in it saying, same way you behave in your Upper West Side apartment facing Central Park in a building with a doorman, Stacey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, but she she actually gives us um information that we didn't have before about her apartment in New York. And she's like, yeah, I mean, we had four bedrooms in our place, but one was barely big enough to get a bed in. A four-bedroom apartment in New York. I know. Yeah. Plus, she's all like, Mom, how do I behave in a mansion? And like, like You fucking same, lived in a mansion. Same way you behaved in your Central Park-facing apartment, Stacey. That's, that's <laughs> same, same, <laughs> same dip, thing. you know? I did love the detail of her, like, putting on extra nice clothes in case any rich neighbours stop by. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. mean... You could you could also equally say the same way you would behave in anybody's house that you were going over to, you know. Yes, that like, too. I, I remain perplexed that the McGills did not move into Watson's neighborhood. Mm, yes. I, I think um 
some kind of shift in their financial circumstances is possibly implicated in the fact that they later on get divorced. <laughs> My headcanon is they spent all their money on homeopathy. Nice. Yeah, that's that's quite yeah. possible. Yeah, because if they were, if you were looking at like out of insurance healthcare costs, yeah, yeah, either that or as my theory that he um, um, dad McGill had to take a mm. a downgrade in his job, and a pay cut to move yeah. to the Stanford okay. office. Oh yeah, so Stacy's parents are still very much on their bullshit vis-a-vis her diabetes. Mm -hmm. They won't let her go to C-City until they have called multiple doctors and spoken to them about the fact that there's going to be a diabetic in town, which I just fucking died inside when I read this. I'm so embarrassed for Stacy. I know. Oh, okay. Uh, do you need me to see her? No, we just want you to know she's going to be there. Thank you. I have met a diabetic person before and treated them. <laughs> I did go to med school too. But are you famous? I get the impression um, from American media, so this may be completely completely wrong, but that um, there is a perception of you knowing your doctor and having mm. selected them. I think we talked about this before, but like yeah. in ways that here you, you're like, I'm going to go into... If I, if I have an emergency, I'm going to go into hospital and be treated by a doctor. And over there, it's like, I'm going to go into hospital and be treated by my doctor, who will presumably have to get out of bed in the middle of the night to do whatever the thing is. Even in America, it's not normal when you're going on holiday for a week to okay, call yes. two specialists. And be like, <laughs> I just want you to know I'm diabetic. <laughs> no. And I'm, I'm coming to town, so be prepared. <laughs> also, they, um, I've also flagged where when Stacy is going off to Watson's house to meet the, her friends, her mum tries to make her take uh, apple like, slices. A bundle slices, of apple yes. slices. Oh, yeah, because and... I read that. It was like, my mother throws a small foil wrap passage to it. Here, take this with you. What is it? Apple slices. It's like, hey, they'll go brown. Yeah. Like, why did you, why didn't you just give her an apple? She can't be trusted with a knife, presumably. <laughs> or her own teeth. <laughs> Watson is a literal millionaire. He probably owns an apple. Like, <laughs> I, I guess I'm picturing Stacy's mother going, oh my God, he's a millionaire. All he will have is like Pop-Tarts. Millions. <laughs> <laughs> Expensive foods that are laced with sugar. <laughs> he won't have fruit in the house. Yes, that high sugar caviar that rich people eat. Yeah, what did they give you for dinner? Cocoa Pops? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I, I also was a bit weirded out. So they end up just having sandwiches at Watson's for dinner. And Christy makes a point that they have set aside some plain tuna sandwiches for Stacy. What the hell else was in the other sandwiches? Like <laughs> Marshmallows. Sandwiches are not high sugar. I'm just picturing like ham and jam or something. Everyone else is having Nutella and jam. We need a, we need a consultant diabetic to come on and do a guest spot here and tell us how realistic these fears are or whether it's just everybody being kind of insane yes um, they're so... all eating nutella except <laughs> stacy <laughs> well yeah maybe it is maybe it's jam, <laughs> just, jam. Oh, peanut butter and jelly it yes. actually maybe. Yeah, maybe that makes sense okay all right you've made this make sense i'm impressed <laughs> and bologna <laughs> <laughs> yes that's the kind of thing that people eat. That's what Americans eat. That's what Americans eat. <laughs> Bologna and peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. A PB and J and B. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so while we're talking about food, can I just um, 
point out, apropos of nothing really, um, that as they arrive in Sea City, they spot a sign for the Crabs for Grabs restaurant. <laughs> yes. I love it. I love it. All of the Sea City signs. and Right, so I ended up searching for the brand name of whatever the 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 the, the sun stuff that nose coat putting up nose coat, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah yeah so i ended up searching for that online and i found an article about the history of sun cream and oh, wow, sun protection really? yeah it was anyway the poster the 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 billboard that's described of the little girl with the bathing suit getting pulled down by the dog mm, is copper tone a, yeah, yeah is the is the classic copper tone i'm like mm-hmm. they would not have had that up in, in mm. the 80s that was old I think they may have preserved that in a few places mm. just because it was so classic. It became a kind of it's a so iconic. like an uh, an ad poster, like the you know the Tournée du Chat Noir that yeah. On the world. I think that's the kind of vibe that, and it sounds like that's what they were going for here as yeah. well. Like it's um, just kind of vintage. <laughs> the the crabs for grabs thing actually. Um, <laughs> it, it, it made me laugh like the twelve year old I am, but also. Um, when I was a kid, we used to go on holiday in Delaware to mm-hmm. a sort of a, a very similar kind of beach town, but it did have weird shop names. There was like that you would notice as you drove <laughs> into the town. There was one called Worms and Perms, which was a oh. combination bait shop and hairdressing. Yes. <laughs> okay. That's brilliant. I know. It was amazing. It was <laughs> iconic. We would point it out every year as we drove into town. There was also a, a huge, really lavish looking place called the Seaside Endoscopy Pavilion, which I looked up on Google Maps and is still there. And it, like, it's so fancy looking. And it literally is an endoscopy <laughs> clinic. Endoscopy? Three words that you don't normally see together. All your holiday endoscopy needs. You know, um, you know when you're just on the beach and you're suddenly like, God, you know what I love. I really need an endoscopy right now. (laughs) I can just go for it. I could do it right now. So it will probably surprise nobody that. Both me and Esther, I don't know about Aoife. I think we broke Aoife. She's struggling to breathe here. I'm just going to talk over I'm okay. Carry on. <laughs> yeah. Carry on. Um, yeah, you know um, those like vintage recipes that are terrible and involve things that people thought were a good idea in the 50s. Um, so there was a, a set of cards that me and Esther like very gleefully were um, like reading on the internet a few years back for 70s recipes, which were universally awful. Um, but I think the crowning glory of all of these awful recipes was something called fluffy mackerel pudding and in <laughs> yes, the same I've way, heard of it yes this is three words that should never be united in the same <laughs> yeah, no. seaside endoscopy pavilion <laughs> it just is a it's like you selected them at random from a dictionary and thought i'm going to make no. a business out of this i think I've given this a lot of thought over the, <laughs> the last 20 years and i think my favorite word in that in that phrase is pavilion (laughs) like seaside endoscopy clinic would have been a little odd but essentially unremarkable but the idea of an endoscopy pavilion is just it's so much a pavilion to my mind and i don't know if this is just growing up in asia but that's like kind of a gazebo it's got open (laughs) sides and a very ornate roof like is not somewhere where you want to get an endoscopy. an endoscopy i mean to be fair the word pavilion now has been entirely commandeered in my head by a shopping center in swords but... oh, yeah, 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 that's fair but like yeah a pavilion is like a fancy tent kind of a deal 
I don't want to get an endoscopy in one. The aesthetic of it was closer to a fancy place you would drink a cocktail by the pool than Swords Pavilions. (laughs) (laughs) Seaside Endoscopy Club. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. It looked like a country club. It looked like a small country club. Seaside Endoscopy Spa, basically. (laughs) Yeah, but but it was a pavilion. A pavilion. No, no. Those are endoscopies. Was this like do fabulously rich people who who like you know to go there for the crack, like who had loads of money? No, this was not a fancy place. This was just somewhere your doctor would refer you to because you genuinely need an endoscopy by the I, sea. I guess by the sea. Like it was, it was very like Sea City. Like you got the impression the place would be a complete ghost town outside of the summer holidays. Like yeah. it was. Uh, place you go for summer holidays and apparently endoscopies and nothing else this feels really like like i could believe this if it was in the 1830s <laughs> somewhere in the in the uk on the seaside where you could go and and get a medical treatment that probably is going to involve putting things up your rear end <laughs> like, i mean they have but like, invented endoscopy but yeah yeah exactly this is um it, this just feels out of place <laughs> Esther, this is something you're probably going to have to decide whether we want to have 10 minutes of it. I'm keeping the Seaside Endoscopy Pavilion in here. <laughs> when I got to this uh, uh, this book and, and I got to Crabs for Grabs, I was like, I'm segueing this into the Seaside Endoscopy Pavilion if it <laughs> kills me because Thank people you. need to hear of it. My life is richer for knowing this. <laughs> I know, right? Um, and possibly the the proprietors of the Seaside Endoscopy <laughs> Pavilion may benefit Are from our shadow. sponsors for this week. If you're in Rehoboth, <laughs> Delaware, and you suddenly feel like you really, really need an endoscopy, you know where to go. It's not a spur-of-the-moment thing, Esther. <laughs> it's something that your doctor tells you to go and do. Why would you tell her. you to do it at the beach, then? Maybe you also need some sea air. <laughs> Doctors don't prescribe that these days. <laughs> anyway, oh my another God. Yes. thing I have marked here. <laughs> well, Sea City is a medium-sized town. There's a lot to see and do. You'll be perfectly safe in your own. Just keep a careful eye on the children. There's traffic to watch for, but there's also the ocean. Oh, like, ah, yes, the two dangers. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was maybe a shark at one point, or not. Yeah. It's completely unclear. The other thing as well is that, like, there is some um what feels really like foreshadowing um and actually i'm now that i think about it i'm wondering if anna martin was going to have a near drowning experience for one of the pike kids and was told to take it out for some reason because um there are several heavy-handed warnings about their the kids are not allowed to go in the sea before 9am because that's when the at, at all they're not even allowed to paddle and like yeah sensible rules and stuff but it's really labored and at one point towards the end of the book Stacy goes on a um she goes on a walk on the beach with the youngest pike child who wants to walk like go in the water and Stacy's doing some soul searching um and she says no you can't go in the water and that's it and I'm like oh I just assumed we were about to have an incident and it's it doesn't happen so is this just is this just Anna Martin giving us good babysitting advice or did did something get excised from this book (laughs) I think it's just yeah, don't let them go in the water when there isn't a life. Because, I mean, like, mm. Mrs. Pike is kind of apologetic about this as the rule. She's like, we don't really believe in, like, giving the kids loads of rules, but we are pretty strict about this because we don't want mm. them to drown. And it's like, yeah, lady, that's 
fair. Like, I, I do have a, a response like. to the I don't we don't believe in making rules for the children or forcing them to do things they don't want to do. But going, yeah, there's eight of them that you can't. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> there's yeah, more of them than there are of you. You lose if you try. Yes. <laughs> You're outnumbered four to one. <laughs> also, if I had eight kids, I would be really cautious about letting them into the ocean as well because like that's just too many kids to keep track of by the time you've done a head count one exactly. of them has been swept out to sea particularly if you're as short-sighted as all of us are like, oh my I can't god track of my one child if i don't have my glasses on. oh my god yeah i couldn't possibly in they fact, all look the same whether they the town holiday on. village was in fact the place where my friends realized how short-sighted i was because we're in the swimming pool i didn't have my glasses on hadn't memorized their hat and swimsuit colors and got separated. <laughs> they found me 10, 15 minutes later just sitting on the edge of the pool. Oh, no. Like, I was with my feet and I'm going, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm just going to stay here. Eventually they'll realize I'm not with them and come looking. I can't find anyone. Mm. When we go swimming as a family, I lose track of my husband regularly. Like, yeah. He looks like a generic white guy with dark hair. He could be anyone. I just... I'm lucky that Rick is six foot four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These days I wear contacts against medical advice. Um, because vision is just more important. <laughs> well, yeah, you have two kids. That's a lot to keep track of. It, isn't the don't wear contacts in the in the water more like they'll float out of your eyes, and that's expensive? That'll that'll possibly happen as well. Other disposables. It's yeah, super gross fine. for everybody else <laughs> who might encounter one of my contacts. That has your not eyes are though, clean. So. Uh, yeah, I suppose I'm sort of grossed out by any kind of communal activity, and one where you're immersed in water. Right yeah. now, like it's just like no, <laughs> oh no, plague. no, 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 not not in twenty twenty, guys. Not um, twenty twenty. Yeah, so maybe in about five years' time, I'll go back in the pool. So yeah, Byron has a whole crisis where he's afraid of going in the water, mm-hmm. and then Stacy like actually spends some time with him because her heart's been broken, and mm. they have some like bonding time by the beach, and she tells him that like if he's afraid of everything, he'll miss out on so much in life, and. It doesn't really have anything to do with the plot of the rest of the book, except that the other triplets have been being assholes to him because he mm. doesn't want to like go in the water with them or go in the haunted house. And they're like, but we're triplets. We have to do everything together. You're ruining everything. Well, that sounds exhausting. They remind me of Christy a bit. <laughs> like, we're a club. We have to agree on everything. <laughs> mm, yes. Hence yeah. my comment that the, the Pike boys are exhausting. And then Nikki kicks off every time he can't hang out with the triplets because he that means he has to hang out with girls and girls are obviously inferior and like just get over yourself I know you're eight but get over yourself (laughs) I did note that this went utterly unquestioned by both the babysitters and the text yeah they're like well you know of course he hates all of us of course he doesn't want to hang out with girls this is normal I I mean I wonder if there's an element of burnout you know in the same (laughs) way that the the Pike parents don't do bedtimes anymore maybe it's just like Nikki we hope you'll grow out of this. But in the meantime, we're going out to dinner. See you guys. We're on minimum wage. We're not going to give you a social justice education. When did the Pikes go, oh, screw it. We don't have rules. And I reckon it was as soon as they realized they were about, they had triplets. Yeah. I'm <laughs> oh my 12 God, weeks scan. Oh, fuck. No rules. Yeah. Also, they already had a child. Like yeah. they had a toddler when the children arrived. When the, the children, when the, the three boys yeah. Yeah. So Mallory, like, it's a credit to her that she hasn't grown up, like, very eccentric. <laughs> yeah, she's only mildly eccentric. Vanessa's the eccentric one. She's grown up with the love of children, which is really weird. Yeah, <laughs> that is weird. 
And that yeah. you had more children after. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, okay. I know. I know. That's the thing. They had triplets and they went, you know what? Let's take this chance again. Yeah. <laughs> like, you really want to roll those dice? Apparently so. I mean, I'm not, like, judging. Obviously, this works for the Pikes. And they, they seem to be coping with it extremely well. They do. They I seem mean, very just, happy and they're all thriving, but it's just... Can't imagine myself making the same decision. No. I suppose maybe if you were like, okay... We we went into this knowing we wanted a big family. You might go, okay, triplets, cool. Yeah, that'll speed things up a little bit. And triplets, then cool. We've got four. That's already a big family. Yeah. Yeah. So when Claire was born, okay, Mallory would have been seven. The triplets were six. Mm-hmm. Vanessa was five. Nikki was three or four. And Margot was two. Okay, so Mallory doesn't actually like children. She just thinks she does. Could you imagine? I'm trying really hard not to. Because this is giving me such anxiety. Yeah. I I suppose anybody who's listening to this who grew up in a big family, and it's fairly rare nowadays, but there are some, like, um, are just going to be like, yeah, what? Yeah, that's that's what it's like. There are just multiple children of all ages. What really shocked me in one of the earlier books was, I think it's Dawn says, Mrs. Pike has loads of energy and she's on the board of governors for the local library. Like, yeah. can you imagine having eight children and random extracurricular activities like that? Could you imagine having eight children at any time? Yes. I can't imagine having eight children and getting out of my pajamas ever. Like, there would just be too much to do. Although maybe yeah. being on the board of governors for the library is quite a restful break after <laughs> wrangling eight kids. Any, any form of activity outside of the home. It's impressive that she gets to do it. Yes. Um, but yeah, so they're they're feeling undeniably smug. Um, and understandably smug about yeah. getting out and going to dinners by themselves for the first time in 10 years, presumably. <laughs> um, so, yes, it was a very smart move on their part to bring along the two Mother's Helpers TM. Yes. And I do like yeah certain other things about the um, the Pike family lifestyle, which, like, notwithstanding that there are a lot of them, it doesn't seem as chaotic as it could be. So at one point they're they're getting ready to leave the house. Um, and uh, one of the Pike parents produces the chore hat when I have um, the, the chore hat is the sorting hat's less sexy cousin um, <laughs> uh, where um, it, they, they all get assigned jobs to do out of the hat which is like a good idea until you take into account their different ages and you're like yeah. Claire has just been given clean gutters you know <laughs> <laughs> I remember reading that and thinking that's not gonna work one of them is five maybe they all get entry level chores or maybe the chores are just more I need you to do a thing so that you're not murdering somebody while my back is turned. Yeah, maybe some of the chores are like, pair the socks in the wash basket. Yeah. Why did they give Marianne and Stacy the night off on the last night? This is when they absolutely need them to get the kids out from under their feet so they can start to fucking pack. Maybe they make the kids do their own packing. You kind of have to. Maybe we don't understand what life is like. In these... No, I yeah. think we don't. No, Or maybe Anna Martin has no kids <laughs> i think that is actually true i'm not sure um did, some of this sounds like a good idea until you start to unpack it and then like, <laughs> also the car journey there was a very detailed description of the trip down and i needed a drink after it, it relentless. which is also um a testament to the yeah it was relentless and like so the youngest child claire is four and she's going through what they describe as a very silly phase mm. um, uh, and i was like I'm not quibbling with the re- realistic nature of this. I I believe the kids are this annoying, but I have two children in that kind of age range. And like, 
just, I'm not sure I could cope with somebody. So the phrase silly Billy Goo Goo gets used a lot times. A lot. How many times? Many. Many. Just many. We could could probably, I'm sure our Kindles will tell us how often it gets used. Um, At one stage. I don't think I want to know. (laughs) On a car journey, I listed everything I saw from my window mm-hmm. <laughs> and grass and trees and poles and trees and cows and a gate and trees and bushes and cars and is this this is the thing that you actually did I actually, did that okay as a small child I did that for I think it was only about a 20 minute trip but I did it the entire way that's <laughs> a long 20 minutes <laughs> oh my god guys okay so you know the way we tend to spend Saturday afternoons with my in-laws and then mm-hmm. um, we drive home. Uh, and today we were like, okay, I'm going to drive us back. Uh, and then as the driver, I get to pick what we listen to and we'll listen to the rough cut of the podcast that Esther just finished editing. Oh no. Because we were going to, um, no, it's fine. My kids are too young to understand any of this stuff. So okay. no, they've, and they're used to hearing me talk. But anyway, um, so we got about three minutes in and we we're like, yeah, no, this, this is pretty good. And then I was like, God, they're making a lot of noise in the back. And I realized like, the five-year-old is just going, <laughs> um, and and continuing to do that. And like Brian paused it and like, Kira, why, why are you, why are you making so much noise back there? Can you, can you tone it down? Um, and Kira was like, oh, I'm just trying to make the talking go away. <laughs> not a fan. Like, okay. No, apparently Savage. not. Like, <laughs> you don't. <it's>, <laughs> my voice is that offensive to you? <laughs> <laughs> we're like he's going to continue to do this for the next many kilometers so okay do you know what we've turned it off and i have not listened to the rest of it <laughs> do you know what though we what? can relax that is the worst review we're ever gonna get <laughs> <laughs> i literally screamed to make the talking go away like no one is gonna say anything worse than that no it's true it's true. So yeah, I'm not I'm not unfamiliar with these uh, scenarios, but I only have two. <laughs> yes, I would I would absolutely pay minimum wage to an assortment of teenagers. Yes, if if I was put to it in this kind of thing, so that I could have a holiday which I didn't have to constantly be dealing with this stuff. Oh, something that I was going to talk about. Um, two things, in fact. Okay, so Marianne was allowed to get a bikini. As long mm-hmm. as the bottom part was decent. Yeah. Yes. I was like, does this mean not a thong or... I think so. I, I think so, that's what yeah. that means. Yeah. Do they sell thong bikinis for a 12-year-old <laughs> anyway? Probably not, but Mr. Spear is probably afraid that they do. Oh, that's true. Mr. Spear I is mean, probably having nightmare visions like of like... Stacey's also pointed observation that... Like the top, the top part of her bikini was filled out nicely, but Marianne's wasn't. Yes, Jesus, way hard, Stacy. <laughs> I, I felt, I, 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 I was not happy with that observation as somebody who was remains really ch- flat chested, but also slow, slow to get there in the first place. What little I have, uh, I was like. Oh. oh no, my friends are all judging me and watching this, and actually they were. There's, there's a fine line between having a desirable amount of chest at that age and have too much which uh, uh, you you pass immediately yeah like, i'm not sure oh, there's anyone that age who feels they have actually the right amount of chest yeah i think that's oh. the unrealistic bit it's stacy being like oh yeah, yeah. i look good in a bikini because like, yeah, bikinis fair. are very 
awkward to wear. They're I would forgiving be, garments. I would be more confident just nude. <laughs> in a bikini, I know what you mean you. actually yeah like yeah. when you're nude there's nowhere to go from there but like with yeah. a bikini bits might fall off at a yes. bad moment exactly like <laughs> it's yeah bikinis are just not they're not designed with anyone's comfort in mind but yeah I think Richard Spears is definitely <laughs> imagining that his daughter will acquire a thong from somewhere because he has occasionally switched over to Baywatch by accident and been like (gasps) and then he locked out whatever channel Baywatch was on (laughs) lest Marianne see it and get corrupted yeah like I mean also it's Marianne she's not gonna buy like three tiny triangles of lycra and call it a day (laughs) he really doesn't need to worry about this but anyway I suppose actually that kind of brings us on to the outfits Um, oh yeah yes good times I've noticed actually all of Stacey's outfits through all of these books basically seem to be tropical themed like Mm. more sophisticated New York she just seems to like to wear tropical stuff it was a big thing in the 80s, though, in the uh, late yeah, 80s. That true. was a real tropical motifs were a, a real thing. So yeah. when she's getting ready to go to Christie's house and she wants to impress the rich neighbors, she <laughs> picks six different outfits and eventually settles on a new pink shirt with big, bright green and yellow birds splashed all over it. It was gigantic, so it would be cool. That is very on trend. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, it's on trend for, like, not now, but all, like three or four years ago, yeah. As well, I could yeah. you could definitely pick that up in Topshop in about like 2014, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Uh, possibly with an unnecessary zip somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Very and huge armholes that you can see the size of your bra through. Uh, yeah. So you no have to reason. wear a top underneath it. Yes. Yeah. To make it decent. Also, Stacy, for some reason, wears when she's at the beach. She wears her shades and her visor which i don't really understand the utility of at all i mean visors are kind of pointless anyway but like i mean the point is to keep the sun off your eyes but that's what the sunglasses are for so i think she's over accessorized here yeah i think that is a kind of a classic rookie mistake isn't it though (laughs) for like (laughs) beach holiday fashion just Um, wear all the accessories yes that will make me as cool as possible (laughs) yes I thought you just meant wearing a visor, but yeah. <laughs> also yes. wearing a visor. But the, the thing is that um, apparently Anna Martin was like just describing things that she saw flipping through teen magazines. Which um, is so probably someone was wearing this. Like, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. It's a pretty smart way to do, do the research for this, I guess. Um, yes. Then when they're going out, Marianne and Stacy are going on an evening out. So Stacy wants to dress up in case she sees Scott on the boardwalk Mm -hmm. so she puts on a white cotton vest over a pink cotton dress and a big white bow in her hair so that it flopped over the side of her head i can absolutely picture this this is like extremely Mm -hmm. 80s also marianne wearing um yellow pedal pushers a yellow and white striped tank top and an oversized white jacket like Mm. the jacket is very like miami vice or something (laughs) (laughs) some of which she's had to borrow off stacy all All of of which which, i think think. all right (laughs) yeah that was stacy's outfit fair enough oh yeah and then toby the other thing the other reason that she gets on with toby is because he's clearly also into fashion he was wearing Mm. plain white swimming trunks but his shirt was amazing tan with silly pictures of cowboy boots and cactuses all over it and his sunglasses black bands with narrow slits from side to side to see through totally cool i wished claudia had been there is that like a 
Robocop kind of thing. I, it sounds kind of dystopian. Cyberpunky. To figure out, oh. was it like that or was it like those plastic shutter sunglasses that were like very briefly. Like that LMFAO were wearing a few Yeah, the ago. LMFAO ones, yeah. Yeah, I'm not even sure. I, um, I, I'm not sure. They. <laughs> they sound like statement glasses. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. I feel like we are just unequipped to deal with the semiotics of 80s teens. We are. <laughs> I can't parse this outfit at all. Like, I can tell something's going on. He's trying to communicate something, but I'm damned <laughs> if I know what it is. We don't have the skills to unpack it. I really can't visualize that. Also, I can't really imagine wearing tan and white. I don't know what. I can't. Yeah. He I presume he had like an that. actual tan and was not wearing tan. No, his, his, his shirt, shirt is tan. tan. With cowboy oh. boots and cactuses on it. Okay. Oh, well then I'd say it was... Sorry, I thought you were saying that he was tan. And no. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, He's wearing a tan shirt. I guess it's like, it's just a, a kind of a funny, loud print shirt of the kind that... I, there's a couple of guys we know that I could see wearing this now in a kind of an ironic sense, maybe. Yeah. You know, the way there's sometimes a rack of shirts that are for guys that don't want to conform to the incredibly dull fashion that most men are confined yeah. to. Yeah. Um, it's like, okay, you can either do socks or you can have a shirt. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it depends on how brave you're feeling, I guess. Um <laughs> <laughs> There's one thing actually that bugged me about this. So many of the clothes were described as cotton, and I'm mm -hmm. like, that's vague. <laughs> There's a lot of types of cotton. I don't know what texture this item of clothing is. That's a good point. Are we talking woven? Are we talking jersey knits? Exactly. Maybe Anna Martin doesn't know either because she's just but looking at a picture in a magazine. Don't just say cotton. Then. Yeah. yeah. I suppose it is her fictional clothes, so she could just make a, a an editorial stance and she could. decide what fabric it is. Yeah, Anne, why didn't you do that? <laughs> yes, there's not enough dressmaking detail in this. Oh, what there is, though, is the revelation that Stacy is a huge nerd and has been working on a needlepoint swan for the last five years. Yeah. And brings it on holiday. I, I, I just got the impression that, like, in fact, because I also have that highlighted, that, like, that since she's been working on it in five years, she doesn't actually like it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but then yeah. went back... she voluntarily brought it on holiday with her. Like, full disclosure, I'm a huge nerd and I bring my embroidery on holiday with me. But I, I also don't go on constantly about how sophisticated I am. Like, I know I'm not cool. <laughs> it's such a weird thing for a 12-year-old to be doing. Yeah. I, I used to do little kits like that as well. Um, but I would either s stop or finish them. I don't think I would have kept going. It's really interesting that she has per persevered with this for five years and that she, she thinks she wants to be the kind of person who has finished a needlepoint of a swan. <laughs> <laughs> Which she has been working on since she was seven. <laughs> um, but clearly it's aspirational uh, at, at this point. Um, yeah, I um, I was like, I was sure that this same needlepoint appeared in Stacy's Emergency, which is something like number Maybe. 44 well, and we'll I actually, I went and bought it and was like, no, this is just one of those false memories. Because um, I was like, she goes on a train journey and her mum asks, do you have something for the train? And I, it's, uh, she says, yeah, I have a like an Agatha Christie and a needlepoint of a swan. I'm like, oh my God, she's still doing it in 44 books later. But she's not. It's just, um, I, I just like put these two books together in my brain. And like in some brains are weird. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> memories yeah. are unreliable. And all yeah. that's. Those treasured things that you did as a child, 
some of them didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. That's a little bit of um kind of terrifying existential angst <laughs> to <laughs> throw into this. Um, can we talk about Toby for a minute, actually? Yes. Yeah. Let's talk about Toby. So, uh, yes, he's a perfectly nice, not particularly well fleshed out character, um, but he doesn't treat her like a interchangeable tween um, admirer. Waitress. So that's, yeah, basically that's a good thing. But uh, yes, we get an info dump of all of Toby's interests, which is kind of hilarious. Um, and actually, I do like Anna Martin's use of like different narrative voices and how she just yeah. portrays this particularly obsessed teen. But um, you know the way we had the Slime Kings in a previous episode? Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. His favorite band. Yes, well, you'll be um, you'll be very pleased to learn that I did some research Ooh. on this particular favorite band, um, who are called Smash. Um, so we have two possible candidates, um, for the the band that is in question here. So one of them is an early two thousands Russian pop duo, which was mostly big in Southeast Asia. So probably <laughs> not them, but <laughs> um, we uh, <laughs> it. I mean. I'm not going to rule it out. Maybe they were working for a long time before they got their big break. Maybe and he was really just... into their underground shit before they went mainstream. Yeah, that's quite possible. Uh, so, but a slightly more likely option is the um, early 90s English punk rock trio um, who come from the most punk rock of all locations, well in Garden City, um, <laughs> who, <laughs> whose early albums include the classics um, Self Abused and Goodbye, Well in Garden City. <laughs> so I think it's probably them that he's a fan of. Um, so yes, I think I, I'm. I hope you all feel enlightened now. Definitely, I think this really this really puts him in a new perspective. I think we've really got a whole new understanding of this character now. I mean, most um, young teen punk fans start out with something like you know Green Day, <laughs> but this guy, this guy knows um, you know. He may even have liked Green Day before they were cool. <laughs> Who knows where he is now? <laughs> Probably running a small brewery. <laughs> Definitely running a small brewery and he's still wearing that shirt. I guarantee Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for doing that research. I thought about it and I was like, oh, I know Adam Martin just made the name, bad name up. <laughs> so, you know the way I work. Um, I like doing historical research where it's like one part facts and nine parts speculation. That's kind of my brand. <laughs> so I love it. I'm happy to do all of that for for the podcast going forward. Appreciate that. That means a lot. He he also is a terrible uh, comedian. Sorry, no, he really is. No, no, he is. That that joke is awful. There is a horrible. I just have a, a line that says Albuquerque joke is really terrible. I don't remember what that joke is. I I bad. have to say, when I read this as a kid, I thought the joke was hilarious, and I told my parents, <laughs> and they sort of. <laughs> politely mustered up a chuckle <laughs> what was the joke i had never heard of albuquerque so i think this is probably where i heard of albuquerque actually oh yeah me too i'd never heard of it either it's about a man whose dying wishes to have a town named after him and his friend promises uh and he's like yes al i'll name a town after you and he says are you do you promise you swear it to me and he says yes i swear it mr buquerque um mm. that's it and that's that's the joke um, um and yeah, stacy is, is like she falls around the place laughing <laughs> um yeah. which i was 
I was like, does she actually think that's funny or what? But later on, she says, she describes just casually that they're on their date and he he tells the longest joke in the history of comedy. <laughs> like, you know, okay, that, that line is genuinely funny. It, um, isn't that the aristocrats and it's unspeakably filthy? Uh, I hope he didn't tell that one. <laughs> I really hope he didn't. <laughs> oh God, I didn't realise there was a potential actual day. I thought she was just saying that it was very I'm, long and dull. I'm going to go out and, and say Anne M. Martin did not know about the aristocrats <laughs> or else did not expect her prepubescent <laughs> audience to. <laughs> yeah, I, I briefly, when I read it, I thought, God, I hope it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it probably would have been beyond Stacey's capability to just like pass that off as a charming thing that her teenage date was uh, going to I hope so. I hope out. she wasn't that uh, head over heels. She might not have been paying attention. I do get the impression That's that awesome. most of the romance is happening in her head and not yeah. Very much so. Yes. Well, he did. He agreed to go in the tunnel of love with her and he kissed her. So, mm, yeah, the tunnel is... of love was also spelled L E V. Yes. And it was the final straw and I got really annoyed. <laughs> Oh yeah, we didn't even mention it. And this is what's actually on the UK cover, um, is when Stacy first falls in, in LUV with Scott, she's alone on the beach and she writes Stacy plus Scott equals LUV on mm. the, on the sand. And then she runs away before the waves like can erase it. Mm -hmm. And then less than a week later, she's fallen for a Toby. So she writes Stacy plus Toby equals LUV on the sand yeah. and the waves don't erase it. So that's how you know it's true love, LUV. Oh, I didn't even notice that as yeah. a, a motif. Oh my God. <laughs> but but you also know the total of love is spelled LUV. It's for some reason a thing in this book. Oh. LUV is a pretty good descriptor for what Stacey is experiencing. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's true, it's not love. It's only about three quarters of it and it's spelled wrong. <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> yeah, she is in love rather than it's love. It's practice and it's not quite right. <laughs> it's a pound no. star approximation of it. It's yes. off-brand love. <laughs> exactly. So... I had forgotten a lot of the, the teen romance stuff because it didn't hold my interest at the time and made me want to die uh, <laughs> of how cringy it was. The only thing I really remembered from this book was Gerber Garden. <laughs> yes. But I had forgotten that it was entirely staffed with furries. Yes! What the hell? Okay, you, you should really explain both of those things for the, anybody so who's this, still listening. There's a fast food <laughs> restaurant called Burger Garden that Claire uh, Pike refers to as Gerber Garden because she's five mm -hmm. and uh, can't get her head around uh, two words starting with different consonants. Mm -hmm. And it is staffed by people in full-on animal costumes. <laughs> yep. And, I mean, at the time I read that, it probably would have been like, oh yeah, that's a novelty thing they do for kids. That seems fine. But now... It's a furry restaurant. It's a furry restaurant. Well, you've got to attract patrons by um, promoting your uniqueness. So... That's true. Maybe, um... I mean, I can't imagine there's a lot of furry restaurants in Sea City, so... <laughs> Maybe Sea City is a place of pilgrimage for the furry community. And look, if the past few years have taught us nothing else, it's that furries oppose fascists and therefore furries are the yeah. good guys. So like yeah. we have no we have no quarrel with the furry restaurant. It's just very unexpected. Yeah, I feel like this this um particular seaside town now has like 
a sort of acceptable place to visit stamp of approval <laughs> i would say so exactly. yeah that was probably really popular referrees <laughs> depending on the quality of the costumes we can't all flock there though because that's kind of a gentrification thing isn't it then the furries will have to go somewhere else because it's just full of non-furries <gasps> that's true we won't go there we don't want to, <laughs> to ruin the furry scene at sea city <laughs> Um, I will say that I am actually kind of uncomfortable around people in those costumes. It's not a furry thing. It's a costume thing. <laughs> costumes make me uncomfortable. So that all of the scenes in the Gerber Garden did make me kind of uncomfortable <laughs> because I was just thinking I would be so stressed trying not to make eye contact with any of these people. <laughs> it's kind of easy when you don't know where their eyes are because they're somewhere buried in the costume. That's the problem. Ah. I, th- I think that's part of what makes me so uncomfortable is like there's the fake eyes and you know they have real eyes somewhere in there but you don't know which ones you're meant to be looking at and it's very distressing. Oh, okay, that's fair. I got that. I got that. Oh, I do um, think that it sounded like a really cool restaurant for kids though. Like, Yeah, it did sound fun. I would take fun. my kids there for the distraction value for sure. Definitely. And you wouldn't take them to play um, miniature golf. Oh, Jesus Christ, the miniature golf. <laughs> Actually, so a couple of years ago, um, we did go to Rosslayer with a bunch of other people who had kids, um, which was actually, it was mostly quite fun with a certain amount of stress occasioned by the large number of children we had with us. But um, there there was, there is a mini golf site in Rosslayer. And for one of the days, we were just like, oh yeah, we'll go out, we'll take some of the kids, we'll do mini golf. And it is the world's hardest miniature golf site. Um, <laughs> yeah, something no. about the way they had poured the concrete meant that like, so you know the way they're like, haha, they went to play miniature golf and it took Claire like 47 goes to get a goal. <laughs> The first yeah. um and uh relatable um and uh she like we were in the same boat and there were several theoretically coordinated adults trying to do this it was just like you'd hit the ball and it would roll backwards because the way the thing was designed <laughs> it's like the magic road yes exactly <laughs> and after about four hours we just gave up we were like nobody is ever going to get like i, I swear we weren't just terrible at it. It was it was rigged, guys. It's rigged. In some, do not try the miniature golf in Rosslare because it is just a deeply saddening experience. Yeah, I, I missed that particular excursion, but everyone came back looking very, very sad. <laughs> to explain the reference to the Magic Road, mm-hmm. there is a hill in County Louth where if you put your car in it into neutral and you take the brakes off, the car rolls up the hill. Huh. Wait, this is a thing. I was just making a Father Ted reference. No, there's a hill in Lake where that happens. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Is it an optical illusion? Where oh, it's like... Almost definitely, because <laughs> the laws of physics don't stop in one place in Lake. In, in fairness, it's loud, though. I've been, I know, right? I've been on it. I was staying with a friend who, I was staying with a friend who lives in that neck of the woods, and her mom made sure to bring us back the back roads so we could oh. go on the magic hill. Okay. Hmm. Wow. Well, that's brightened my day. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the thing. Um, and it definitely feels like you're going up the hill in the car and stuff. So, yeah. File under yeah, I... stuff you thought Father Ted invented that turns out to be a real <laughs> Irish thing that is just stupid. Almost nothing in that show, in fact. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes. So, yeah, I think that's, I think we've, we've pretty hmm. much covered it. The babysitting tips are don't abandon all the children in your care to go ogle an unsuitable ogle. It doesn't matter how hunky that lifeguard is. Please do your job. Yes. I guess this is Anna Martin going, so 
in previous books, I've assumed that you're all actually quite mature and you're here because you want tips on um, responsible jobs. And in this one, I'm going to have to address the fact that you're a bunch of teenagers. <laughs> and sooner or later, you're going to do something really ill-advised. Um, but yeah, there is a line about, yes, when babysitting, the kids should come first. This would seem to be fairly straightforward, but every now and again, you need it rammed into your teenage girls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely. All right. And I think there's only one thing that can be our sign off mm -hmm. this week, which is Stacy plus Scott equals LUV. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Real a quick, real a quick.